You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to the Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about financial freedom for smart people. I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Todd Tresseter. Let me tell you about him. He has a passion for creating successful businesses. He graduated from the University of California at Davis. He has a BA in economics, and he's been a serial entrepreneur since childhood. He built his own wealth as a hedge fund investment manager before, quote, retiring at 35. He grew his net worth from less than zero, meaning he was in debt, when he was 23 to the point of financial independence just 12 years later. He's an active investor. He uses statistics and risk management systems to maintain his wealth, and today he teaches advanced investing and advanced retirement planning principles at financialmentor.com. Welcome, Todd. Thanks so much for being with us. What else do you want to add to that amazing introduction? <laughs> I've got to add, I've got to pull like the, the college and the childhood stuff out of there given that I'm 56 now. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a great story though because when I read less than zero, I'm like that's kind of saying I have no money and I owe people money, right? Yeah, well, when I came out of school, I had student loan debt, you know, and so I was in debt from the education. I'd worked my way through school, and so I emerged with less than zero. I think we all did at some point. And, yeah, the 20s are a hard time, I think, to get – first of all, you're trying to live on your own. You're trying to afford rent. Plus, you've got college debt. So it's, it's amazing you did it in 12 years. That's really, really cool. You know what the hardest part for me was? Was waking up to the reality of the workaday life. Like, as a student, I still own my life, and, you know, I'd go to classes, and I'd study. I'd just, but you, you, you're still in charge of your life, and you run things – but when I got that first job and worked from 9 to 5, my first, my first real full-time job was with Hewlett-Packard coming out of college. And I, you know, I'd have to get up and pull on the tie and the nice shirt and, and drive in the commute and get to work. Oh, my God, I was just suffocating. You know, just the thought of it. I, it was just unbelievable to me that that was going to be my life going forward, is going to work five days a week early in the morning and leaving in the evening and then, you know, just having a few hours in the evening and doing that five days a week for the rest of my life, I just shoot me, you know. (laughs) I was there myself. I think the hardest transition from college to full-time working was the length of the days because in college, you'd have a class, a couple classes, you'd have a break, you'd hang out and you'd go do more classes. But to go, it was like a marathon going from eight to six as a 20-year-old. I totally remember that. Yeah. No, that was that was the big shock for me. The financial part, I don't know. I mean, I, I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't have money when I went to school. I didn't have money when I came out of school. It, you know, it it took a while to to figure that part out. So that wasn't so much of a shock. It was just this reality of like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just going to have to sit here and work my whole life away. Yuck. 
I, I still I still remember when I was in college and I, I tell a story I was at um I finished up at UCLA and there's a beautiful park down off the Pacific Ocean, Santa Monica Park. And I had because I was in a fraternity, I had quite a few people graduate ahead of me that were good friends. And I'd watch them come back, you know, and they'd have their their Porsche and their fancy clothes and stuff. And then I'd talk about their life and like all they did was work you know, to pay for their rent and pay for their car payment and pay for their clothes and stuff, they would work in Cubicle Nation like all the time. Like you and I are saying nine to five, five days a week, but that's not what most people are doing, right? They're working longer hours and weekends and whatnot, and they've got their cell phone where they're taking emails. And um, and I just looked at that and I contrasted it. I was still in college. I was finishing up and I was riding my bike through the park and all the, the street people they're living in the park, and the food trucks would come and feed them, and the healthcare trucks would come and take care of them. I'm like, God, who has it better here? That's really insightful. That was an aha moment, huh? Yeah, I mean, they're sitting in one of the most beautiful views in the world, Santa Monica, Santa Monica Park, overlooking the ocean. They're eating decent food. You know, yeah, they have to sleep outside, but on rainy days, they spend their day in the library reading books. That didn't sound that bad to me. I could totally see that. Well, let's jump into some questions. So you're going to get a kick out of this. As I prepare, I make everybody's questions specific for them for my podcast, and I'm preparing sure. for this. And I'm looking at your name, and I'm saying, this sounds so familiar. And I have a lot of podcast companies that send me amazing guests just like you, so I thought, well, maybe someone already sent me your name. And then it hit me. I actually opted in for some of your financial information in October of 2014. You're actually in my email as a folder. It's called <laughs> Isn't that a small world? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing when you start to hear me before I arrive. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was amazing back then, and it's so much better here. So your website... I thought, you know what I thought you were going to say? I Go thought you were going to say that you had gone to school at Stanford because my last name is the Tresseter Memorial Union. No, I didn't know which, that. Yeah, so the student union is... Um, it's a distant relative, very distant. So, I mean, I can't claim any fame on that or anything, but it's the exact same last name. So normally people will misspell my last name, and if they get it right or they know how to pronounce it, it's because they went to Stanford. Oh, that's interesting. No, I actually opted in for your stuff years ago and got really, really valuable information. So I just think that was really cool. The thing I loved about it when I opted in back then and even as I was preparing for this, it's packed with so much information. I mean, your website probably has a bunch of pages. But I wanted to ask you a business question. Sure. I love that you have three levels of service, priced from $5 all the way up to a fixed price to an hourly rate. How did you decide those were the right business models for your company? I mean, you can serve everybody. If they've got $5, if they've got you know, $5 million, you can help them. How did you come up with the, those three? It's not original. I mean, you see it in different business models on different sites. It also has to do with what works for me. I'm in the process of converting my business model from a service business to a product-based business. So I'm trying to put Todd in a box. Um, and that's intentional. What happened was I originally started out the business as a boutique coaching business. And as I built the content marketing platform, which is what you see there, the website, um, the boutique coaching business blew out of control. And so I started raising the rates. And then it got to a point, I got to $600 an hour and I still had a large waiting list. And I just said, this is not what I wanted to create. You know, I wasn't trying to get rich through coaching. The purpose of the coaching was always to prove out the education. 
you know, through life working with people one-on-one, -on -one, figuring out what actually works, what actually helps people. And so I always wanted a kind of a wide sample of people. I didn't want just rich clients trying to figure out investment strategy, um, which is what it was slowly shifting towards at the higher rates. And I didn't, I didn't want to turn into one of those $1,000-an-hour coaches either because I find it really hard to say anything that justifies $1,000 an hour. I just don't think I'm that wise. <laughs> you know? And yet people were more than willing to pay it. And it's mainly because of the investment stuff. You know, because it's finance, um, $1,000 an hour you can justify if I correct some fairly major mistakes in portfolio design and stuff. And so it was all heading that way. I didn't want that. And so I just literally I shut it down. I mean, I had a multi-six-figure business in coaching. I just shut it down. And that, you'll see it if you go to the site right now and you go to the coaching page. I'm not accepting new clients. Yeah, I saw um, it. I tried, to, I tried to book it just to see how far I'd get. <laughs> yeah, so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to serve more people at a better price point. And so I've been doing this long enough now. I've got it down to a structured educational process, so it's the right time now for me to do that. So like I've got five books on the site now. You're, you, a sixth book will come out in early 2018. Um, I've got the first course out now, and you know, I'll be building another course, and I'll be doing more of building the platform. So it will just be a progressive process of, um, of switching everything over. And the idea is to be able to serve millions of people, not just you know, 20 coaching clients at a really high price. Yeah, I really loved your pricing structure. Like I know everyone's got three levels of services, but yours was just spot on. I just loved how it was very easy to understand, and, and it's great that you're systemizing. So do you find, given how busy people are, that most people are picking the do-it-yourself or the done-with-you program? Uh, they want to do it with me. They want access to my expertise. Um, the do-it-yourself program is coming along very nicely. Um, I'm figuring out how to package it. Um, it's typically do-it-yourself, but then you have access to me with office hours and things like that. Um, so people still have access. But the, the course has proven remarkably successful. Um, it's been even better than I expected. I was really worried. I spent way too many years coaching before I started productizing my knowledge. And the reason for that is I just could not wrap my head around the idea of all the all the background knowledge I had, and when I would work with a client, I would like piecemeal together what was just exactly right for them, right? I would put it together, and it would be perfectly tailored to them. And I was like, how can I get that in a course? How and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And then finally, I just started building the course, and it turned out it, it's better than my coaching. And I'm, I'm amazed I can say that. I didn't think I'd be able to say that. And clients aren't having a problem with it. And I just... I thought it was going to be just this endless support problems and people are going to have piles and piles of questions. turns out it's not that complicated if it's, if it's explained properly. That is amazing. And that's what it's all about. As soon as you can systemize and package up what, you're, what you know into IP, intellectual property, you can serve even more people. It's actually freeing. Don't you feel actually better that it's, that it's systemized than trying to do it one-off? Oh, I feel much better. One, I feel better that, like I said, I'm, I'm, it, this is not just a sales bill. It's better than my coaching. And it's because it forced me to get everything very carefully structured. I've got all supporting documentation. It's much better than just hearing me talk. Right. right? There's right. all kinds of support tools in there. There's all kinds of different things that you actually need to pull it off. And so I feel really good about it because the price point 
is low enough. It's the equivalent of, of you know, a little more than an hour of my coaching to get the whole enchilada. And you know, like in each each course in each book, the way I'm structuring it, and maybe that's why it has appeal for you, is each one is a specific solution to a specific problem in the wealth building process. Now that's key because they're all serving one target client, right? So that means that each product backends every other product in the line, right? And then what happens is people come in and they pick and choose what they need based on whatever problems they're dealing with at the time. And then each product solves a different problem. And so I just like that because people are getting way more value for what they're paying. That just works for me. I hope yeah. all the listeners are applying what you're saying to their own business because this isn't about just financial products. This is how do you build your business so it's scalable, so you build the life that you want. At 56, you may have kids, maybe even grandkids. Maybe you've got dreams to do more vacationing, and now you've just built that for yourself, Todd. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, but here's the funny thing. I, I don't want to make this all sound nirvana either. Let's be really transparent. The price you pay up front to build the marketing machine and the price you pay to build the course and the price you pay to build the funnels is huge. Like, you, you have to really want to do it to serve. Because yeah. if, if you just, if you just, because it's hard work. It's hard work to build this. The course took me two years to build, you know. Books are a lot of work. People think, oh, you know, writing a book. Writing a book is only a third of the work of producing a really quality book. Another third is the editing, and another third is all the post-production in terms of the marketing. I actually hated my book during the editing process. I was so tired of reading it. I think I read it nine times, and I'm like, okay, now I don't even like my book anymore. I'm, I've burnt out. So you're right. When I took advanced investing myself, I, I now trade options, and learning was really hard to learn how to trade options. It was like a foreign language to me. And the instructor kept saying, hard now, easy later. Hard now, easy later. And I think the same applies to business. You put the hard work up front just so you can have easier lifestyle later. Yeah, the way I teach is the principle of lag, right? So people will talk about passive income. It's not really passive income. I call it um, lagged income or delayed income. In other words, you put the work up front, you get the income down the road. Oh, I like that. That's really cool. Yeah, so it, at least it sets the mind straight. Like when you think passive income, you think like, oh, you just got mailbox money, right? And it's just going to come in like you're getting money without work. It's a half-truth. You did the work up front on a scalable business model, and then now that income come in later, and the income's scalable. That's the real attraction is that the income is scalable. So you're not trading time for money. You can actually, if you're really good at this, you can make a whole lot of money with it. Can you? And again, here's the fun thing. If you sell it as a value proposition, the money you make is not just about getting rich. It's, about, it's a measure of how many people you served. Exactly. Switching gears a little bit, on your website you have people pre-qualify themselves to see if they're a good fit for financial coaching. Is it yeah. a quiz that you give them, or do they just read that blog article and kind of say, I'm in or I'm out? Well, no, where this came from, and again, this stuff, you've got to be genuine with it, okay? Because I've seen people do this in a really manipulative way, and it's, it's not right. Um, what I did was, I, when I built the funnels on the site for, uh, you're talking about for coaching, um, I, had, I started getting all kinds of inquiries, you know, as the site grew and attracted more and more people. And what I quickly realized is that most of these people aren't actually good candidates for coaching. 
And so when you reach a point where you have more clients than you, you can handle, you have the luxury of saying, who's really benefits from the service and who doesn't? And so I started thinking it through, and there's a specific client profile or several specific client profiles that get more value from coaching than they pay for. And so all I did was I wrote that out. I wrote out exactly, like, if you need this type of information, you should get it from a book or a course, right? If you're looking for this. If you're looking for this, and where coaching really is a great value proposition is when you have the information, but you need personal attention in terms of the action, the processing of the information, the strategizing, the correcting, adjusting. That's where coaching is really valuable. Yeah, right? it's a great, it, it was a great article. I thought it was very clear. You know, this is this is where you go. Like, don't invest your money with me if you can get it here because it doesn't make sense. It's a be- great article. Thanks. Yeah, so people that want to find it, they can just go ahead and pretend like they're going to try to become a coaching client, and then pretty soon you'll see you'll get diverted to reviewing this article to see if you qualify for a coaching client. So then what it does is then these people have a chance to look at it, and all the people that really shouldn't hire me because they're just looking for information or they don't have enough net worth to where, and it's not like it's designed to be rich clients, but let's face it, if you, you know, if you don't have money at risk, it doesn't make sense to pay my hourly fees. It's just too expensive. You'd be better off saving that money and using it as investment capital to put capital at risk. Right? You've got to have money at risk and you've got to be doing deals in order to justify paying the fees. Otherwise, it, it's impossible for it to put more money in your pocket than it costs. And I don't want to be somebody's net expense. I want so to benefit them. Is there a mismatch up. between how they see themselves and how you see them? And you have to say, we need to break up with this coaching thing. It's not working? No, because they would never get through the free strategy session, right? So there were several layers to it. So that it, okay, so let's, let's lay it out for people so they can see it, okay? So the starting point, the way people – okay, so this, let's, let's first of all contextualize this conversation. If you want to build a business, you have to understand the client buying process, right? And then what you want to do is you want to map yourself right into their buying process. And so – where this all kicked in is I got highly ranked for terms like financial coach, financial coaching, money coach, money coaching, all these different terms that I'll call money terms. In other words, when people look for this, they're looking for my services, right? So then the buying process, and I know this from interviewing lots of clients who hired me, the buying process is they're looking cold on the Internet. They'll go through probably page one, sometimes page two of the results. They'll look at a bunch of coaches' websites, and they'll decide who they want to possibly consider working with. And then the usual thing for a coach is they offer a free strategy session or a free test drive. And that way you can sample their coaching to decide who you want to work with. And so they will apply to several strategy sessions. They'll go through them, and then they'll decide which coach they're going to hire. right? And so what I did was I mapped myself into this buying process. First, I ranked highly for the terms money coach, money coaching, financial coach, financial coaching. I still do to this day. And then... I have an authoritative website because the next step is people would go to the website and they decide if it resonates with them. So they'd listen to my podcast, they'd review my materials, they'd read my articles, they just get a sense of is this guy a guy I want to work with. If yes, then they go to request their free strategy session. That's where this step comes in that you're talking about. Too many people were wanting that. They were wanting free advice. College students were wanting free strategy sessions. All these people that would never make a good client, right? So then I developed this, this, uh, this article that you're talking about that they would have to read, and then it says right in the strategy session, you have to explain to me 
why you want to work with me. And so I would know from their remarks in the request for a strategy session if they had actually reviewed the material or not, because they would either address what was in the what was in the article, or they wouldn't. <laughs> That's brilliant. And so when so then I could either respond. It sounds like you didn't read the article as I requested you to, and then we would never even go to the strategy session, or we would go to the strategy session because they sound like a good client. And I would say when I was in full swing as a coach, I would say maybe 70%, 80% of the strategy sessions would actually result in becoming a client because at that point they're highly filtered. They've already they basically decided they want to work with you and they're just confirming it. Right? Awesome, yeah. And so, and so high percentage of them wouldn't, and some, or would, but some wouldn't, right? And I would say, you know what? You're actually not really a good fit for the coaching. It's going to take more money. It's probably going to cost... You know, you might fit later on in a couple years. What I would do is I would do this, and I would try to help them. And so the way I ran the strategy sessions is they were never, and it says it right in the article, they're never a sales process. They're always a sorting process. Right? And so what I would do is I would get in there, and all I would try to do is genuinely help the person. I wouldn't have to ever sell. And then when it would come down to the end, I'd say, and I would paint a picture of where we would go with it. Right? So I would try to help them go through their material. And usually people fit in certain profiles. I'd say this is what we'd do if we decided to work together. I'd say, let me know. What do you want to do? And they would either hire me or they'd say, let me think on it. And they would write back later or whatever. But it was never a sales process. That's really insightful. And it's probably making a huge difference in your business too. In what way? Meaning that you're working with people that you love to work with. Like some... Um, in the beginning of most people's business, they just take any client because that's what they have to do to pay the bills. But as you get more yeah. established, you pick and choose who you want to work with. So it's probably made a big difference of you're getting people that are really doing what you're telling them to do and seeing incredible results. Yeah, and it worked It worked wonderfully all the way up until the point that it became too successful. Because once it became too successful, and this is a problem not most people are going to have, but again... I was never trying to get rich from the coaching. It was always about revenue-producing market research. I wanted to work with a variety of clients. I wanted to see if my material actually helped people. And so through coaching, I could guarantee that people were getting more value than they were paying for. But then as the fees kept going up, the client profile started changing, and it kept going to wealthier and wealthier clients who had more and more capital at risk. And specifically, it really narrowed down to advanced investment strategy clients. And at that point, it just, you know, it wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I wanted to serve a broader base of people. Right. And so that's when I realized I had to turn it into a product-based business. Right. So let me ask you one more business question before you get the standard fun question everybody gets. Since most of our listeners fall into the business owner category, and you've got something about the business owner personal path to wealth. What does that mean? Like, do you have one to two tips on how these people can grow their wealth as business owners? Okay, Nancy, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking me. Yeah, I found it on the website. It was kind of cool. It said, the business owner personal path to wealth. I guess that's different than maybe a real estate path to wealth. Oh, I, okay, I get where you're going. I just had a comment. There's three asset classes you can build wealth with, okay? And a lot, a lot of people do this, like traditionally if you go to a financial advisor, they just talk about the paper assets that they can sell you, right? The stocks, bonds, right, mutual right. funds, insurance, things like that, the stuff they can sell you. And so, but actually, and so that's one asset class. I call them paper assets. 
But then there's direct ownership of real estate. Now you're not going to get that from a conventional financial plan or a conventional wealth plan because they can't sell it to you right. right? when they're creating the financial plan. But direct ownership of real estate is another path to wealth, another asset class. And then there's the entrepreneurial asset class, the business owner's asset class. And surprisingly, they're more similar than different once you dig into them at a deep level. In other words, like when you own stock, what do you really own? You own a percentage of the business. When you're a business owner, same thing. You own a percentage of the business. It's just a higher percentage. Yeah, and so what happens is each asset class is completely acceptable. They all work, but they all have different characteristics. And so when you design a wealth plan, you have to design it to where you're matching the unique characteristics of the individual to the unique characteristics of the asset class. And so I use the analogy of Velcro to explain it, right? It's like the hooks on Velcro, the hooks on one side of the Velcro and the loops on the other, they have to connect. That's what binds the Velcro together and makes it strong, right? And it's the same thing when you're designing a wealth plan. You have to take your personal characteristics of you know, your interests, your skills, your resources, your time frame, your goals, all those things define what asset classes and what investment strategies will work for your wealth plan. And so the business owner path is one path to wealth. But what I see is people forget to actually make the exit plan. Like you, it's fun to have your business while you have it, but at some point you have to have an exit plan. Do you help them with your exit plan too? Selling yeah, it, dep it, it depends on what you want from the business. Like if you take my business as an example, I don't really have an exit plan because it's designed as a lifestyle business. So it's, it's, it's integral to my life. I'm creating a life that I don't want to, I don't have no intention of retiring from. So some people, you have to be very careful with the exit plan discussion with business entrepreneurs because there's kind of a myth out there. What people do is they build a business, they pump all their money towards their business, they work, 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 and the whole dream is the exit plan. You know, to have that big liquidity event where they get the big payday, somebody buys them out, whatever, and they sell, and then they, they're happily ever after financially independent. So, yes, that can happen. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you build it up, build it up, build it up, and then there's a technology change or a market change or something changes, and now it's going down, down, down. And so what I encourage business owner clients to do is have a plan A and a plan B. So the plan A is the big liquidity event that you're building towards. You grow your business. You're growing that business asset. Nothing wrong with that strategy. But in the meantime, you also have to convert revenue and equity out of the business into your personal net worth. And so that way, if things do go bad or you hit problems or it never hits that big liquidity payday, you're growing your net worth all along the way so it's heads you win, tails you win. Wow, that's really insightful. So let me ask you the fun question. Todd, if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours, what would you do with that extra hour? Probably the same thing I do with the other 24. <laughs> in, in other words, I'm already choosing what I want to do with those 24. So I already get enough sleep, so I wouldn't do that. So I would do more of whatever I'm doing that day that I used up until I went to sleep that day. Um, and so it varies with the day. Um, so like if you look at how I built my business, my business has been built in phases. There's different, I do project-oriented focus based on whatever opportunity is in the markets. So it will change with time. 
Yes, exactly. And I love that answer because that means you're already there. So for people who would like to have a lifestyle like you, they want to work more closely with you or get some advantage from financial mentor, how can they connect with you and your company? Yeah, the site is financialmentor.com. So two words mashed together, financialmentor.com. And they come over there. If they, you know, hopefully they got value from the discussion, and I give away a lot of freebies over there. I have one of the largest collections of financial calculators on the Internet. It's all free. You don't even have to register to use them. Um, there's over 1,000 printed pages of content, again, all free. If they subscribe, there's a free e-course, 52 Weeks to Financial Freedom. It goes over the framework. You won't get rich in 52 weeks, but it gives you the whole framework of the financial freedom process as my clients have taught me over the years. Um, and then I also give away a free ebook. It's called um, 18 Essential Lessons of a Self-Made Millionaire. Um, and again, these things are free, and it's just to build relationship and see if you're in the right place and if you resonate with the message. So hopefully people come over and join. Listeners, definitely check this out. You, you could spend hours on this website looking up everything you need. It's just You have one of the best websites for content. I love that you said at the start of this conversation you're working on I don't know if you use the word content management, content. Do you remember what you said? Content marketing. It might be content marketing. No wonder you're found in so many searches because you've got a lot of valuable content for sure. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, again, I did this because, you know, I have an unusual knowledge in this field that I wanted to give back. I didn't want to die with it, and so, and it's taking a lot of work to do it. And I, my perspective is different than how most people teach it. And so at least that's what everybody's telling me that, that follows the material. So you know, that's why there's so much free stuff up there. It's part of giving back. That's awesome. What do you mean by your perspective is different? Well, I have a lot of unconventional perspectives. It came from that don't agree with conventional financial planning. And it came from the fact that I came up the hedge fund side of the business. So I developed uh, statistical risk management systems for the financial markets. And so when I started, I was kind of insulated from traditional financial advice. I was never part of it. Um, and then once I became financially independent, and I had to figure out, like, am I actually financially independent? So I started digging into conventional retirement planning advice. And I just saw what these guys were telling people to do, and I was shocked by it. Because I've been developing investment models for a while. And the, the thing about developing an investment model is if you make a mistake, it costs you money, a lot of money. You know, because when you're wrong, you're wrong, and the financial markets will just take it away from you. And so I learned what creates valid models and what doesn't. And when I saw traditional retirement planning models, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is quite crazy what they're doing. And so that's the, one of the first books I wrote, which was How Much Money Do I Need to Retire? And it goes through and it analyzes the traditional financial model, you know, traditional retirement planning model. And I go through and I give two alternative models. You know, and then I go even deeper in my course. Uh, the Step 3 Wealth Planning course goes much, much deeper on the subject than that. So there's just a lot to understand about it and how it works. It's not complicated, but it's not the way it's traditionally taught either. I like that view. So do you target more toward the millennials that are trying to go for the long term? Or are you able to help people who are like, crap, I'm going to be retiring soon and I didn't you know, do my, my homework to save? It's both. You know, who, you know who my target market has turned out to be, and it's obvious in hindsight, but it took me a while to figure it out, is people who care enough to learn the stuff. In other words, like my target market is not the guy who just wants it all, you know, oh, just do it for me, right? Right. That, that, that's not my target market. The people I'm serving are the people who care enough to read it, figure it out. They're interested in it. 
they're willing to put the time in because it's their money and they want to be responsible for it. Um, so that's my target market, and it varies widely both in age and net worth. The one common theme is they're educated, they're smart, they're learning, and they're ready for that next level. I'm basically your target market. That's what I did when I learned how to invest money and get real estate. It made a huge difference. When people say what was a big turning point in your life, one of the things I say is reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and getting inspired to do real estate and invest and build a business. It changed well, my life at like 33. Yeah. See, that's why you had already been on my list. <laughs> Probably. Awesome. Todd, this has been really great. What else do you want to add that I didn't even think to ask you about? Oh gosh, I mean the subject's endless, Nancy. I, you know, I don't want to pull stuff out of the woodwork and just run on. So no, it was great. It was good talking with you, and hopefully we delivered some value that'll help people. Absolutely. So do you have like a favorite quote or a favorite saying that you like to share with people? I've got some right on my computer. Let me read a couple to you. Okay. Yeah. Let's wrap up with some quotes or some. Uh, All right. Advice. So here's one. These were these were to help me get over my fear of being a public figure. Um, so some of them are more targeted toward me, but I think people enjoy it. Uh, one is, use the talents you possess, for the woods would be very silent if no birds sang except the best. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is that you know you have a voice, you have something to share, so go ahead and share it. Um, you know, it's interesting you brought up Robert Kiyosaki. When I started in the business, you know, he was New York Times bestseller, and he had a whole end cap of books in Barnes and Noble or whatever bookstore you go to. And it was very intimidating. It was like, well, what do I have to say? You know? And so anyway, that's that's where that came from. Or here's another one uh, that helps me deal with criticism. Um, don't pay attention to what they write about you. Just measure it in inches. Now I have to give some context to that, right? That's Andy Warhol who said that. And so you have to go back to the days of print media when it was all measured in column inches. Oh, okay. Right? That's good. That's good. Yeah. So he says. So the point being, because Andy Warhol was, uh, you know, he 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 was a pop artist, and so he was roundly criticized that it wasn't real art what he was doing. But yet, you know, he was a real artist and was noteworthy because they measured it in column inches, right? The fact that he was even noteworthy enough to write about. Yeah, so even though he's roundly criticized at the time, he says, don't pay any attention to what they write about you. Just measure it in inches. In other words, that tells you all you need to know, the fact that they even want to write about you. Here's another one a little more uplifting we'll close out on. Life is like a camera. Focus on what's important. Capture the good times. Develop from the negatives. And if things don't turn out, take another shot. <laughs> That's awesome. I really like that one. I totally believe about that one because everything can be, most about everything can be redone or done over. So don't be afraid yeah. to at least take another shot. Awesome. There you go. Todd, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show. Lots of great information. And listeners, I just added some rapid results days on my calendar for Q1. This is where you and I accelerate your business in just one day instead of coaching, which can span many weeks or months. Go to nancygaines.com slash rapid results to learn more. And if you loved our show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so other people can find us. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. 
That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.